Good afternoon. You are listening to Resonance 104.4 FM and this is Art Then and Now with me, your host, Anna Gammons. This is the show where we explore art from the past and art from the present to understand how we as humans express ourselves through time. Our theme this week is landscapes and I have a very exciting guest for you this afternoon. We're going to be talking to the 2018 finalist of Sky Arts Landscape Artist of the Year, Greg Mason. But before that, I'm going to take you to the romantic era of painting to kind of set the scene and more specifically to Turner's emotive landscape paintings. So a little bit about romanticism in general or the romantic era as it is currently known basically a movement that began in Europe around the latter 18th century and lasted until about 1850. There was a huge emphasis on emotion as well as nostalgia of the past and particularly concentration of nature and so landscapes were a main feature of this movement. It was sort of seen as a reaction to the Industrial Revolution which was taking over Europe at the time and particularly in Britain as well and it sort of reacted against the scientific period of rationality and enlightenment that was also a kind of undercurrent at this time as well. It was against modernisation of society and this focus on science and in innovation. It was sort of trying to get back to the basics of nature and emotion and how we feel as humans in the world around us. It was very much emphasising these intense emotions, but they weren't just positive emotions. They were kind of emotions of horror and terror as well as awe and the sublimity and beauty of nature too. And it's sort of one of the first instances we see of a real creativity and imagination and a sort of departure from a more classical artwork. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Turner, but before I go any further, I do have some advice. If you, like me, love Turner's work and have made special trips to the National Gallery just to see the most beautiful pair of paintings that hang on the wall um, in the National Gallery, then please don't watch the film made about him called Mr. Turner, made in 2014. Now, I say this because my mum and I, who both love art, we sort of settled in um, for a look into the brilliant mind of this sort of creative genius, hoping to see a little bit about his life and his work. And he is portrayed in the most negative way not only is he a misogynist but also just frankly a bit gross like I I just it was not a depiction I enjoyed at all and I really sort of struggled to see his work in the same way but I've got to remember that it was a film and there is a lot we can learn from his contribution to romanticism and landscape painting more generally so I kind of have to move on from that but yeah take the advice don't watch that film <laughs> so Turner was an English painter born in Covent Garden so not far from where I'm sitting right now in London Bridge he was born in 17. 17- 75 to a lower middle class family. He studied at the Royal Academy of Arts, as many of the most prestigious painters did at the time. And when he was 15, he had his first exhibition. And that made me feel like the most unachieving (laughs) 26-year-old. But um, he painted in oil, watercolour and produced lots of work on paper as well. And he was known for painting commentaries of his own time in a context, which you're going to see the two images I'm going to talk about. So they're two of his most famous works and they're the works I 
I love the most, they're also the works that are in the National Gallery that hang very proudly as a pair. And they are the fighting Temeraire, tugged to her last birth to be broken up, 1839, and Rain, Steam and Speed, the Great Western Railway of 1844. And they kind of embody um, this landscape of change, which we're going to be talking about. So the fighting Temeraire, well, it was a ship, first and foremost. It was actually a 98 gunship that played a crucial role in the Battle of Trafalgar in 1805. <clears throat> Excuse me. It had actually saved Nelson's ship, the victory from attack, um, by capturing two enemy vessels. So it took on the nickname as the Fighting Temeraire. And it wasn't until 1838 that the ship was eventually retired. And this painting captures the moment where it was towed to Rotherite to be broken up into parts. Now, I mentioned that romanticism wasn't just about positive emotions. It was also a sort of brooding on the past. And this piece was thought to represent the decline of Britain's naval power. It was also conveying a sense of loss and nostalgia. Um, and actually, there is over the fact of the composition as well. It's more about the emotion. So actually, the sunset is actually in the wrong place, as you notice, that the ship was actually travelling west. But in this depiction, it's travelling east. So Turner actually decided that the, the kind of conveying this sense of the sunset and this kind of emotion and the composition was actually more important than accuracy, which is fairly interesting and says a lot about what Turner's motives were. So the colours offer a direct comparison between old and new. There's sort of a bright and ethereal representation of the old ship sort of elevates itself um, and elevates the past above the modern steamship, which appears kind of dark and heavy in the foreground. And the it's also painted larger, perhaps to represent the grandness of its past. And you cannot ignore that glorious sunset. Um, it's really played up in this piece. It's got bright paints, heavy yellows, um, and is a real kind of contradiction to that heavy purple sky, which perhaps could indicate the kind of heaviness of the past of the ship, contrasted with that brightness and drama of the sunset. Also, the water, it looks like it's on fire. It's not a kind of a greeny turquoisey colour. It's a bright red colour, which, you know, could perhaps hark back to the history of this painting. It's a painting of transition and the sunset represents this sort of transition, not only from one day to the next, but kind of acts as a commentary on its mother country, which is very much in a period of transition. It's the Industrial Revolution, perhaps even the end of the empire. It's a story of past and present. And it's about the emotion of the moment in its context, a moment that is very heavy with what's come before and what will come after for the future of Britain. Now, the next piece, which hangs by its side in the National Gallery, Rain, Steam and Speed, the Great Western Railway in 1844. Now, it's perhaps a more obvious commentary on the Industrial Revolution, and it shows the locomotive of the Great Western Railway crossing the Thames at Maidenhead Railway Bridge, which was recently completed at its time. And it's a time where the, the railway was completely physically changing the landscape of Britain. And here in this painting, we see that it cuts through the image as it would have done the landscape. Now, the viewer is also played an, placed an interesting perspective as the train is moving directly towards us at full throttle, just as the Industrial Revolution was changing and kind of churning things up for Britain at the time. It's about the technological advances, the economic changes that this brought with it. And the intensity of that perspective is also what conveys the speed. And this is the subject that Turner talked 
taught at the academy when he became a professor he he taught on perspective so it's really really important that his piece kind of conveys this intense perspective of the train completely coming at us and the fact that everything's blurry around the really really distinctive train to me kind of conveys that this is the focal point of the piece and also sort of symbolizes that overwhelming sense of sound and movement the rain and the atmosphere of change there's also a hint as well as with the fighting temerara of that nostalgia and what's being lost to industrialization there's a rabbit that's seen darting out of the way which sort of forces the idea of um, perhaps man's triumph over nature and possibly even the death of nature it kind of shows the sort of destruction of nature by machinery um, and the dangers of technology um, that was so sort of prized by the romantics this idea of the sublime nature and the romantic side of nature as well which perhaps is being lost here this is a painting potentially of um, loss as well as of kind of um, change and movement um, Turner is a very much a painter of his time and acknowledges the glory of his past now these paintings are incredibly important because they're not just about landscape they're a social commentary on the change and development of the time Hopefully you enjoyed my mini examination of Turner's romantic landscapes and the, of the mid-19th century. Now, I had a great time catching up with this week's guest, Greg Mason, who was the 2018 finalist from Sky Arts Landscape Artist of the Year. He makes painting under pressure look easy and is by far one of the most talented artists I've had the pleasure to meet. I hope you very much enjoy our interview. Hello, yes, I'm I'm Greg. So for those of you who watch Sky Landscape Artists of the Year, I'm sure you know who Greg is and his work kind of inspired the nation, shocked the nation. It was absolutely amazing um, and I'm such a pleasure to be talking to you now. Let's give the listeners some kind of background. How did you get into painting and particularly landscape painting? Because I know that you do a variety of other subject matters. Yeah, when I was at school, I guess um, the only thing that really made sense to me was art. You know, I wasn't a great fit in my school, and um, I only realised later on in life that I was probably a little bit dyslexic, and the reason I didn't succeed in certain subjects um, was because I couldn't read words very easily. Right. So I got through it all by turning everything into pictures. So when I did my exams, I'd converted all my kind of revision and answers into pictures. And um, I had a fantastic art teacher and he used to just let me sit up in the art department at school and mm. draw. And I just drew and drew and painted and painted. Mm. So yeah, so what Bob did for me was he opened the door to art school in London mm. and he'd been to St Martin's. Um, yes. And I thought, well, that sounds like fine. You mm -hmm. know, I'll do that. So um, I applied, I got in. And to the most prestigious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but the thing is, in context, you don't understand that when no, you're 17, no, no. 18 years no, old. So true. And yeah, I'd rolled up there just two years after the Sex Pistols had played their first gig in, <laughs> in like the main hall there and was kind of immersed into um, just a multicultural um, overload, if you mm. like. So I studied, I, I went on and I studied illustration and graphics. Yes. And then I fell out the back of St. Martin's at 1983 and started kind of carrying my portfolio around mm. magazines and book publishers in London yeah. and I worked for like New Scientist and mm -hmm. um, City Limits and The Listener and The Times Educational Supplement and I was, all, I was drawing 
pieces that were more fine art than they were illustration. Yeah. So if you like, the answer to your question, how did I get into painting, I think really <laughs> was like that was the start of it all. Yeah. That I was making solutions to briefs that were much more about my perspective on the world yes. than it was about drawing a, an objective a, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. OK, so let's talk about what the listeners are probably hoping to hear about. And also I'm hoping to hear a little bit about um, Sky Arts Landscape Artist of the Year. Um, how did you prepare for the show when you found out uh, that you were kind of applying, you got accepted? Like, how did you? <laughs> um, well, I'd been in Italy the, right. the summer before, yeah. and I'd been invited to do a residency in a little town called Ferindola. Mm -hmm. And Ferindola has an art festival every year, and yeah. they also have the Pecorino Cheese Festival, oh which is goodness. a fantastic... Cheese and wine and art, that sounds <laughs> great, and pasta as well, literally. And oh pasta. my goodness. <laughs> Um, so it sounded like a, a great opportunity and again something that I just said yes to yeah um, and as the festival neared what we discovered was that earlier in that year there had been a great tragedy near the town the, yes. um, the Riga Piano Hotel disaster which hit the international news mm -hmm. where 29 people had been killed by an avalanche mm. just what Four or five months triggered earlier. by the earthquake, wasn't it? Mm. But, yeah. Triggered by the earthquake. Goodness me. Um, so the residency for me became even more important because it wasn't just about being part of an art festival. Mm. It was about um, the invitation was more to explore the renaissance of the town and the people. Mm -hmm. Your submission piece for the Landscape Artist of the Year was a, a kind of as a result of this trip, wasn't it? It was the um, you kind of did like a room that had almost kind of fallen in on itself it looked like I yeah. suppose. Yes in the the journey between my studio in this town and mm. where I was staying was about 200 steps up a almost vertical um, mountainside oh and, oh, ha Italy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and halfway up was this old abandoned building at which we and uh, me and another artist we went into and I started taking photographs mm. and it was it was the chairs that really struck me mm. the sense that um, you'd have a completely abandoned house. Everything had been taken out mm. except the chairs. Yeah. And there was one room where there was a chair just in front of a window, kind of looking out. Right. And then my submission piece for Landscape Artists of the Year was where a bunch of chairs had been piled up in a fireplace. Yeah. Then, um, yeah, my partner said to me, well, why don't you enter Landscape Artist? And uh, I thought, well, you know, I've tried a number of times actually submitting traditional landscape paintings mm -hmm. and I thought I wonder if I can just about mm -hmm. tease tease the rules a little bit yeah yeah and I just love that though <laughs> <laughs> what are rules in art <laughs> so I submitted the interior and I got the phone call to come on the show mm -hmm. and then yeah. that was how it started amazing it was a bit of me kind of challenging them yeah just yeah. saying what do you because because oh, ringing in my ears from series in the past has always been someone like Taishan Schirenberg saying what we're really looking for is someone who Pushes can the push boundaries. the boundaries. And yeah. I thought, well, I'm going to push it. Well, did you kind of do some under-time, pre like, pressured pieces where you gave yourself a couple of hours to do them? Or were you sort of just, did you go into it fresh for the show and were kind of like, I'm going to see how this turns out? <laughs> well, I guess having previously done the Portrait Artist Competition, I yes, had a little course, bit yeah. of a sense In of In 2017, what, so just the yeah, year before, right? the yeah. year before. I had a little bit of a sense of how the days work. Yeah. Um, and I realised quite quickly I was really underprepared for doing a landscapes 
so I rang up a friend of mine, Maria Rose, uh -huh. who lives near me, who's a young, up-and-coming uh, plein air painter. Yeah. She's won a few um, Young Artists Awards at the Royal Amazing. Institute of Oil Painters, and she wow. and her partner, Tom, took me out and about mm -hmm. and basically introduced me to the, the tough task of plein air painting, right. which actually is just yeah. as simple as putting up an easel and starting. It is, unless, unless you're, <laughs> you, you spend most of your time in England and there's the rain and the wind and bugs and it's like a nightmare I've tried it a few times and my goodness because your hair goes in your face and it's like and then the rain starts and oh my god yeah I realized yeah. that I was very ill-equipped so uh, that's what I did I basically practiced really hard yeah doing landscapes in short periods of time whether yeah. I was going on the beach for in the summer and wherever I was I yeah. would do a little bit of painting yeah um so that's how I prepared Right. You seemed very confident and composed the entire way through the series, I have to say. Um, I said this to you when you, when you arrived. Um, how did you keep so focused? Were you focused and relaxed? You seemed like you were, definitely focused. But how did you seem relaxed under those sort of timed tasks? Um, I think I just decided to enjoy it. Right. And, uh, and, you know, I had spent a lot of my professional life on the other side of the camera. Yes. Kind of directing things. So I kind mm -hmm. of knew what the TV show needed. Yes. So I didn't need to worry about how to deliver that in the bits where I wasn't painting, because mm. what viewers don't see is the fact that you start at seven o'clock in the morning, in the morning, and you finish like seven o'clock at night. <sighs> yeah. And all that, all that you get on telly is a condensed mm. version of four hours of painting, but yeah. there's a lot more that goes into it yeah. than that. So your energy is constantly going out to different things like Goodness can I have me. an interview over here can you walk in with your portfolio yeah. but that must be hard because you don't know which uh, kind of sound bites they're going to use so you have to keep up the energy the whole time mm -hmm. because you're like well if they use this and I've had you know 11 hour day I'm really tired and they've just asked me to kind of you know give some sort of inspirational pep talk to the artists out there <laughs> you really have to kind of pull it out the bag so that's oh that's tricky <laughs> yeah and I think what I was looking for in my own kind of personal art space within, yeah. within that day was just maybe one or two really good sessions where I could block everything out mm. and I could just get on with what I needed to do. Yes. Because putting in the groundwork at the start of a painting mm. is so essential, mm -hmm. like mapping it out, yep. having the framework there, like the foundations mm -hmm. of a building. If you haven't got those right, yeah. you can't, whatever you build on top is going to fall down. It's going to fall down, absolutely. Yeah. So that's where you, I invested, was really upfront knowing what am I aiming for mm -hmm. and how am I going to start to yeah. get there. Yeah, so it's at Studley Park where we did the heat. Yes. Um, I decided that I really wanted to do something a little bit different. Mm. Um, and I, the view that we had was really quite boring. Yeah. Um, and I thought, how can I inject something of me into this? Something mm -hmm. of, that connects with my submission piece that really yes. tells the judges that there's a continuity, mm -hmm. if you like, between the artist I am outside of the programme and the artist I can be Yeah, and, and authenticity as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So I just decided I was going to try and make a diptych mm -hmm. and do a view, yeah. a view looking back almost to the pods mm -hmm. from the other side of the landscape. Mm. Um, so I just disappeared with, uh, for the first hour or so yeah. out of my pod. And I thought, well, you know, you need to you make. You want us to see the. You push need the boundaries. to. <laughs> yeah, you need I'm to, going. I'm off. If you want to see the authentic me, I'm. That's that's me. I'm yeah. gone. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but it became very obvious that you were not going to take 
the subject matter at face value and you definitely wanted to kind of find the meaning mm -hmm. um, yeah. in what you were doing and that was very obvious. Did you, did you find there was a little bit of pressure to kind of, you see what other people are doing, you want to stand out from the crowd, but you don't want to go too far out of the crowd. Did you find pressure with that or were you just kind of very content doing your own thing? I just had my own kind of way of being with it mm. and not being influenced by other people. I think yeah. as soon as you start looking to your left, your right, you get distracted from the you thing. You can crumble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's in front of you. Yeah. And, you know, there are some some great artists on the show mm -hmm. and everyone has their own different language yeah. yeah 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 so there were highs there were lows we saw some of them i guarantee we didn't see all of them um <laughs> what were your kind of highest lowest most memorable moments what did you kind of take away from your experience i think the high is always the camaraderie you know having done portrait artist and uh, landscape it's that sense that there's another bunch of people who've gone through the same experience as you mm -hmm. and you've come out the other side yeah. alive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah quite. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And just being you, the production crew, Story Vault Films, who make the programme, mm. um, are such a lovely bunch of people. Yeah. Their producers are so positive and they're constantly full of energy, mm -hmm. asking you questions and uh, encouraging you. And I think yeah. that the edit of the show really shows artists in their best possible light. Mm -hmm. And it's really in Sky's mandate to show the best possible version of artists. That's encouraging. And when people write to me after the show and they say, you know, I love that painting you did in Felixstowe, mm -hmm. it was incredible, I love the brushwork, the, yeah. the composition, etc. Um, I understood it, I felt like I was there. You know, those are the things that are meaningful for me Absolutely. that I can really take away. So your other question was, what were the lows? <laughs> Yeah, go on. <laughs> so I, re I remember doing a soundbite um, uh, after the show had ended when all the paintings were being displayed at the Clarendon Gallery in yes. May Mayfair. Yeah. And a TV crew came up to me and said, so, Greg, you know, tell me, how was your experience of the show? And I said, well, you know, I loved every minute of it, mm -hmm. except for the last minute. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there is huge disappointment when you've kind of tried to give everything and... Um, and you don't succeed, but you, you, d you don't succeed in a particular way. You, you know, it's a competition. Mm -hmm. So you totally accept that premise. So beyond the show, um, mm -hmm. has, has the competition and the show, has it sort of changed your approach to painting? Or are you fairly confident and established in, in the way you were doing things before? Has it sort of mixed things up for you? I think, like I was saying earlier, you know, when you say yes to things, it opens up new opportunities and new experiences. Mm. And those inevitably affect and impact the way you go forward in your life. Yeah. So I've painted a lot of landscape in the last year mm. and I'm becoming more fluent in that mm -hmm. and understanding the kind of landscapes that I enjoy, that I connect with, that I want to talk about. Yes. So in terms of influence, yeah, I think it has. It's opened up new possibilities for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I... You know, I travel the world a lot, mm -hmm. and wherever I go, I paint. And yeah. I feel much more engaged with places I go to when I take a moment to breathe it in mm -hmm. through the process of painting yeah. and connecting with it that way. Um, and I know you went to Costa Rica recently, and yes. I want to talk to you about that because some of your work, all of your work um, from that trip is, is amazing. When you go to somewhere as different to the UK as Costa Rica, mm -hmm. It's a mind shift and a culture shift and an experience shift. Yeah. You know, suddenly you've got these vast mountains, you've got active volcanoes, you've got uh, you know, picture postcard beaches with palm trees, monkeys climbing over your head, 
toucans, <laughs> uh, macaws, yeah. and it's, it's sensory overload. And one way yeah. of kind of processing that and um, not controlling it, but just starting to understand it is through the process of painting. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those are just standalone paintings or other times they're notes that I'll take back with me to mm -hmm. the studio and I'll work on a bit more. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you're, I want to talk a little bit about your general process and techniques. Does mm -hmm. your, how does your choice of materials inform the work you're doing? So I think you do a lot of oil work. Um, I maybe do. Maybe as well? Yeah, when I'm travelling I tend to to take acrylics with me because they yes. dry really Fast quickly. And can pack them away yeah. again. And, and also there's more um, kind of issues around airline safety and taking oil paints and thinners and stuff like that yeah. that's coming up. Yeah. So <laughs> one has to be, you have to be mindful of that. But yeah. if I can, I'll take oils with me mm -hmm. because they blend more easily. You know, I, I, think I wrote an article recently where I was trying to describe the difference between painting and acrylics and oils. Mm. And with acrylics, I tend to take um, maybe 20 different colours because I'll use them straight from the tube, mm -hmm. bang, straight onto the, yeah. onto the surface. Whereas with oils, I might take six mm -hmm. because I know I can mix them and blend yep. them. Yep, yep, but and they're so smooth and, and creamy, aren't they? The, the texture is amazing of mm. oils. And so it's a mind shift between the different mediums. Mm -hmm. And what I found in Costa Rica was I had to really learn almost all over again how to paint with acrylics with the colours that you have mentioned, yes. like these magentas and turquoise yeah, colours, yeah, 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 to yeah. really get the vibrancy of what I was seeing yeah. in front of me. Do you kind of um, paint what you're seeing? Are you painting what's in your imagination? What's that kind of process like? How much of it is what's in front of you? Um, a lot of it is what's in front of me, and a lot of it is what's inside my head as a result of what's in front of me. Right. Um, so I don't make things up. I'm slightly in awe of artists who do, <laughs> um, but I've had to kind of accept that I am who I am. Yeah. And I think that's a great learning for any creative person is yeah. simply to accept that this is the limits of what I do, yeah. but I'm going to play wonderfully within those limits. And what I, when I'm faced with a landscape or in fact a person I'm painting, mm. I always look for that one thing what I call a hero moment, a hero area, right. where I'm noticing that, and maybe nobody else would notice that, but it's the thing that I want other people to see when they look at my painting. Okay. Um, so that's my realism. I home in on that one thing. You seem quite analytical and considered um, on the show particularly. I don't know about um, when you're kind of working in a more natural environment, but... What's going through your mind when you're painting? Are you, be, are you kind of weighing up things uh, geometrically? Are you thinking about composition all the time? Are you thinking about the technical um, side of things? Because it seems very, your, your composition is so well thought out. Okay, good question. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe tricky question. <laughs> let's take the painting I did at Greenwich yeah. as an example. Um, an incredible view over London, mm. the Queen's House in the foreground. Yeah. Um, Greenwich Park and in the distance this huge kind of skyscrapers rising up um, over the Docklands area of London. Mm -hmm. Massive. How do, you, how do you control that? Mm. And I decided that, that the whole overwhelming nature of it was what I wanted to capture. I wanted to give mm -hmm. people a sense of, it. Of, of place. Mm -hmm. So I just went straight on with it. Yeah. And once I decided my composition, yeah. then it was a technical process of 
laying it down, drawing it all out freehand. You might have seen me using a ruler. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, tools are there to be used. Absolutely. You know, if you need a straight line, Absolutely. there's no better tool than yeah, yeah, a ruler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I was... Or a credit card as my mum's always And then I was straight into what I call my underpainting, mm. um, where, you know, I try and... I think, first of all, I covered the whole surface of the painting with a wash, really to get rid of all the white canvas. Mm. And then I started underpainting in acrylic mm -hmm. for speed mm -hmm. to cover as much of the surface as I could because I like to develop the whole painting at the mm -hmm. same time. Yes. Because I don't want, you know, half of the painting to be further on than Ooh, the other half. No, me neither. That because, panics me. Yeah. <laughs> so then that, that would be my top tip to someone who's learning to paint landscapes mm. is really develop the whole painting at the same time. Mm -hmm. So when you're asking yourself those questions, as I do, like, is everything balancing? Is one area standing out too strongly? Mm -hmm. Is my hero area that I've identified really yeah. sing singing? Then you've got good answers coming back at you that help you mm -hmm. move forward. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what are you up to at the moment? What are your next kind of projects where you're based back at home? Now you're not in Costa Rica anymore. <laughs> okay, well, um, yeah, I've got a couple of commissions I'm finishing uh -huh. up. And then I'm part of the Southwest Academy of Fine and Applied Arts. I'm mm -hmm. an academician there. So Amazing. we have got various shows happening throughout the year. And also I might be running some courses in Exeter or in Devon and Cornwall. Fantastic. Um, I've got my own website. Mm -hmm. uh, it's under gregorymason.com. Mm -hmm. um, and there's loads of information on there about my current work, what I'm up to, um, Instagram. Yeah, I'm Gregory Mason underscore art Absolutely. and also as um, ambassador for Cass Art mm -hmm. um, I get around and yeah. I do workshops for them and you can find me on some of their blog and news entries as well. Fantastic. Well, Greg, thank you so much for talking to me. This has been an absolute pleasure. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Greg. Unfortunately, that is all we've got time for this afternoon. Thank you for listening to Art Then and Now with me, Anna Gammons. For any of the images discussed on this week's show or to contact the show, please visit the Facebook site at the Art Then and Now show. Thank you, Claire, for your audio engineering help. See you next week at 3.30 on Resonance 104.4. Hear me. You are not.